We're going to read uh, from 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to pause for prayer first and then and then read uh, a few few of the verses and and on our to be continued kind of approach on this particular chapter. So we join me as we pause for prayer. Um, We sang earlier, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. And we are loved by you. That's who we are. And here today, people from this fellowship have testified to the goodness and faithfulness of God in a multitude of ways, getting them through a challenging week, being the provider for them in little and larger ways, um, for, for the precious gift of spiritual life in one who turns their heart toward you. And I thank you, Father, for the many things that we have seen of your hand at work and faithfully keeping after us and and drawing us to yourself. And we we bless your name today. We ask that you would here this morning close us in with yourself as we continue to look at the whole issue of our our passion for you and minister to us as you know our needs and continue to draw us to yourself. We give you thanks for you are a good, good father. God is great. God is good all the time. And we thank you for your constancy toward us. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. So last week we got down a little ways through this first chapter, and I told you that's okay. Uh, We probably got down to about verse 7, more or less. I want to pick it up in verse 8 and read that portion of Scripture through the end of the chapter, and then we'll just come back in on some things. So uh, the, if you've ever listened to a British preacher, they don't say, let's turn to 2 Timothy, whatever. They say, this will be 2 Timothy, da-da-da-da. So, uh, so we're in 2 Timothy. And so down to verse 8 says, So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death, There we go. I got a song for that one. Destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. What you've heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. 
you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Agelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know how very you know very well in how many ways he has helped me in Ephesus. We started with a little bit of background last week to this letter of Paul to Timothy, his son in faith. And we essentially are saying there are several reminders that are, are important for us to, to just kind of keep very much aware of. The first one we talked about last week was remember your roots, the heritage that you had uh, and that re- resulted in you coming to a place of faith. Maybe, maybe it was a godly grandmother. Maybe it was a godly mother. Maybe it was somebody who impacted and influenced you. Like in my case, it was Reuben and Carol. Uh, I told you that story a little bit last week about that. And so they, their influence started me in a, in a better direction than I was going. Remember your roots. And, and if you do not have the heritage of a godly uh, group of people, but you are in faith now, you've come to faith, um, it's important at this point that you choose a different choose a path that, that will establish that godliness for those who you will impact and influence down the road. So regardless, if you were disadvantaged and didn't grow up with a good situation, that doesn't mean that you, you, can't, you can't start something new along the way. So remember your roots. Paul was able to say, I live with a conscience that's void of offense. I, 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 I live without remorse, he said in verse 3. Uh, God has been good to him. Reminder number two was rekindle your flame. Verses six and seven talked about that. And Paul says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. We didn't go into a lot of things in there, but but we talked about, I wanted to talk a little bit about the evidence of the of the, of the spirit. Um, when the spirit, when when we come to faith in Christ, some wonderful things wonderful things happen. Your eternal destiny or destination changes, and while it's a life to come in terms of the future side, there's a pre- present reality of life in Christ that we can know and experience here and now. So it's this, the evidence of the Spirit of God in our life when we come to faith in Christ. He gives to us a kind of deposit and earnest, a down payment uh, of that transaction in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians will talk about, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, you're not your own, you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are his. So God does a work in our lives and puts us in a new relationship with him, and that's one of the one of the evidences of a person who has come to faith in Christ is that they have the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. Now, now you have you have all of the Holy Spirit. You don't get 10% down and 10% each year you follow Jesus. It doesn't work that way. You have him. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. The question is, 
how much of you does he have? And it's the ongoing process of what we call sanctification. It's, it's becoming holy toward God. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. It's, it's this gift that God gives to us. And in, in this portion of Scripture, verses 6 and 7, Paul tells us what we don't have and what we do have. He says you don't have a spirit of, uh, NIV translates it, timidity. Uh, King James used, you don't have a spirit of fear. Uh, you don't have that. The fear is not from God. Now, if uh, we were listening on the way up to uh, uh, a series done by David Jeremiah, and the first message in this series called called uh, slaying, slaying the Giants Around Us or Within Us or whatever it was, uh, <laughs> the first one in the series was talking about Fear. I thought, well, that's interesting. And he went right, right to this verse in, in 2 Timothy and talked about you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and, and discipline or self-discipline. Sound, sound mind is one translation of that. So we have, in, in lieu of the fear, that, that's what God doesn't give us, but he does give us the other alternatives there in terms of what he has given is that as the issue of control to be able to serve and love other people, which I think is really well with that uh, triad of spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Uh, David Jeremiah was saying, do you know what the opposite of fear is? And uh, he, he pulled his congregation, and he got, uh, got courage, he got trust, he got few other descriptions are the opposite of fear. And he said, well, those are good answers, but they're all wrong. He said, the opposite of fear is love. The opposite of fear is love. And so you, you think about that for a moment. I could give you chapters and verses on that. But, but the point is that God puts within us everything we need to rekindle that passion, that flame. Now, <clears throat> If you're following along on our August 30, 30, 30 outline, we're going to be at point number three, reminder number three. And, and that reminder there is refuse to be ashamed. Refuse to be ashamed. Uh, Paul says in verse 8, Don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. Um, have you ever had a family, I'm not asking you to raise your hand or nod your head or tell but if you ever had a family member go to jail and whenever conversation comes up you just kind of avoid that a little bit or we soften it down a little bit uh, what, what they're in for uh, what they did and it, it's almost like there's a sense of embarrassment when somebody gets on the wrong side of the of the bars uh, and is on the inside looking out and, 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 oh, I understand those are the realities of life. But sometimes that kind of situation can cause us to be a little bit embarrassed along the way. Well, you know, I, I mean, you, you, you have situations where you read in the news about some minister that does something. Take your pick. Take the, take the former president of Liberty University who seems to be in trouble these days. I mean, you can pick a person. Doesn't make it, and then you can just illustrate. And something has happened, and 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 it's kind of like 
an embarrassment, you feel like. Uh, Paul says here, I, I, don't, I want you to refuse to be ashamed. Don't be ashamed, first of all, to testify about our Lord so that, so that that testimony is in place, ashamed of several things, the Lord, his people, or his gospel, in terms of the study note there. Refuse to be ashamed. You jump down to verse 12. And he will tell you, that is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed. Because, and then he gives you that great because that comes. Um, God calls us to be <clears throat> people who are, uh, and James used the word, peculiar. <laughs> and it's not intending to describe us as oddballs. <clears throat> it's intended to be people who are different who choose to live differently because of our faith in Christ. We are a holy people. And we are to be a holy people because God is a holy God. And he longs for us to follow after his heart and character. And that Christ-like character then begins to be developed in us. <clears throat> in this refusal to be ashamed, Paul says, here's the reason why <clears throat> you should not be ashamed. And that was verse 12. It's what I call the great because, because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Now, if you've ever been around a hymnal a little bit, you know what's coming next. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he has made known, or, or why redeeming, revealing Christ's love, redeem me for his own. I messed up on the words, but I know whom. And so the, the song just kind of oozes out when you've sung it for a long while, and the chorus especially. Uh, and that's the great because. I know whom I have believed. Paul Little was a writer, I enjoy reading some, he did a lot of work with, uh, he was involved with a university, if I recall, I think it was, and, uh, but he wrote a couple books. Uh, one is uh, Know Why You Believe. It was kind of like an apologetic book to help people understand what they believe, why they believe. Know What You Believe was one version, Know Why You Believe was another. And so the, both, the two together deal with issues of how we express our faith and and how that moves along. I know whom I have believed. So refuse to be ashamed because we have that faith in Christ, because we know we know that we've committed ourselves to him. And he is able to guard or keep that which I have entrusted to him for that day. Now, Paul may be talking about that when Christ comes again. He may be talking about that, and that's fine. Maybe talking about a judgment point. Too, but the point is that God is able to be faithfully committing himself to hold on to or secure what we have done. Sometimes we wrestle with this issue of, you know, who's when I come to faith in Christ, who who's who has a greater responsibility? Is it the human side or is it the divine side? And sometimes in the theology, 
we can get rather rested in the fact that this is all about God, not a whole lot about me. And then that would be more of a Calvinistic kind of camp. And then you got the Arminians over there on this side who, 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 who would say, well, this is really a lot of our responsibility. And if I choose not to move toward God, then, uh, then there's nothing that he can do. And then, and, and then you wrestle with issues of the irresistibility of grace. And, oh, you can get into a whole lot of theological swamp. Well, it's not really swamp. It's weed. Let's just call them weeds at this point. You can get into that. But from First Timothy or Second Timothy here, he says, I'm convinced that he is able to keep what I entrusted, entrusted to him against that day. It, is, it, is, it may not be so much the perseverance of the saints as it is the perseverance of God with the saints, and he keeps after us and continuing to hold us and pull us close to himself. Uh, and, and that's the that's the invite. That's the great because of this gospel, what I've entrusted to Christ. And so um, don't I know some people wrestle with this whole issue of assurance. You know, how do I know if I've committed my life to Christ? That he's really going to make good on the deal. Am I, is there something I need to be doing? Sometimes we get into a kind of works mentality that says I need to be doing more and more for Jesus along the way. And while I, I think he calls us toward that direction, we can never earn it. We can never work enough to be able to repay what he has done. We rest in what he has done and is doing in us to bring to fulfillment his purpose and plan for our life. Reminder number three, refuse to be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of God or of the gospel or his people as well. Whether it's Paul as a prisoner or whether it's, you as a prisoner of of Christ. People viewed Paul as a prisoner in terms of a Roman jail. Paul never viewed himself that way. He said, I am God's prisoner. I am his prisoner. And that's all a world of difference there. Reminder number four is this. Retain the pattern. Verses 13 and 14. Retain the pattern. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. That would fit well with Ephesians 1.14. Guard that good deposit which was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. He says, I want you to keep what you've heard. Hold fast onto that. That's that the, the, the word keep. It's the whole issue holding fast onto something. He says, I want you to keep what you've heard, and I want you to guard the good deposit that you've been entrusted with. You need to know what you believe. You need to know why you believe. And you need to know who you believe. Um, who are you going to believe these days? I, I, I went to the doctor, my, my GP, uh, oh, I, a couple weeks ago. I walked in and we were doing some small things. He says, well, he said, I want you to know I'm going to retire at the end of the year. I says, oh, I said, who am I going to talk politics with? It was uh, first thing out of his mouth was always just trying to talk about the political stuff. So I said, "Who am I going to?" Well, he said, "Well, we'll have to find somebody on the staff and talk with you about it." Um, you know, not like I'm sitting up at night worrying about that kind of thing. But but uh, he said he said he said we are si we are in a situation. His this is his political view. He said uh, we are in a situation in which we have to choose between the evil of two lessers. Got that? Not the lesser to you, the evil of two lessers. 
And uh, he says, you can't trust the Republicans. You can't trust the Democrats. Trust your doctor. And I thought, right, uh, right, you know. And after all the stuff that's going on in our world, you, you listen to the doctor here, and he says, this one over here says that. And then something changes his mind two days later, and this one changes. You think, oh, my, who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I may have preferences one way or the other. I'm not getting into political debate on this one. I don't think I am anyways, but I may have preferences. But the point is, I don't trust a donkey and I don't trust an elephant. But I do trust the lamb. And that's the one in whom we have believed. You need to know why you believe and what you believe, but you need to know who you believe as well. We have a faithful Savior. What had Paul entrusted to Jesus when he comes up to that verse 14? Verse 4, what had he entrusted? He had entrusted his life. He had entrusted his body. He's entrusted his work. He had entrusted his character. He had entrusted his reputation. All of that was entrusted to God to keep what he committed against that day. What day? Well, it's the day when either he would see Jesus face to face or else uh, Jesus would come back again, come for him. That has not happened. He saw him face to face in terms of dying. Um, this, this is his last letter. We always have the prospect that Jesus may come before we pass along this, uh, this way. In a Shakespearean term, we shuffle off this mortal foil or coil or whatever it is. But we just, we'll all go that way at some point in time. Unless Jesus returns. And there comes that great, and what one portion of scripture calls the blessed hope that we have. Christ our Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, Coming King. Uh, in terms of the, the stained glass picture um, the fourfold gospel the alliance is noted for. Re retain the pattern. Hold on to that. And that puts the ball in our court in terms of our responsibility. What are we doing to grow in him? Where, are we digging into that word? Are we are we connecting with one another in fellowship? Even if it's zoomish at this point, it, it's something that we can connect with. <clears throat> you know, we do the, the Zoom prayer on Wednesdays. And... Uh, uh, I know it's nice to be able to get in the same room. It's it's like it, it doesn't quite feel the same when you do Zoom online for worship service. Uh, you, you know, it, it's it's okay, but it, it just being here is is really good. It's nice to be able to see, even if you have to bump an elbow or smack a fist, or or if even if you get brave and step outside and give somebody a bear hug, you know that you know it, that's okay. That's okay. It's not quite the same, but you know, when you're in prayer together even in a Zoom meeting, in my mind, it's like I'm in the same room with you. It just it just feels that way, just like we're sitting around a big circle and we're just taking turns to pray and or, or praying over whatever. It just, it just feels like a very workable alternative. He says, retain that pattern. We have a faithful Savior who is able to minister to us. And then the final reminder here, reminder number five, remember who you are, and whose you are. Um, 
I put that in a card to David, um, to, 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 to Dylan, when he headed off to Great Lakes. Remember who you are and whose you are. Both of those pieces are important. <clears throat> and in verses 15 through 18, as Paul wraps up this first chapter, he talks about some people that uh, disappointed him. You need to remember who you are and whose you are because people will disappoint you. Uh, verse 15 says, You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me. Everyone has deserted me, including two guys. And you, however you choose to pronounce it, Phagellus, Homogenes, whatever you want to, uh, whatever the pronunciation is of your preference. You can put an emphasis on a different syllable if you want. Feel free to do that. But everyone, including these two guys, and I, I, I think, well, why couldn't he just leave it without naming names? Everyone's deserted me. It's just that sometimes we're, we're, we're the masters of overstatement. It's been a terrible week. Well, you had a bump on Thursday, Friday. And the rest of the week was okay, you know, or, or, or whatever it may be, you know, uh, pick your issue or situation. And it, it, we sometimes overstate the case a bit. It could have just said, everyone's deserted me. But he, he just illustrates it by saying, here are two people in particular that you might be surprised about, perhaps, Timothy. Even these guys who may have been very faithful, helpful people in the past, but even they deserted him because people will disappoint you. Let me, let me remind you, we, we have here in this group of people, uh, sinners all, who are redeemed by God's grace, imperfect people who at times don't always get it right, and sometimes people will disappoint us. And the more you have your eyes upon people, the greater the chances of your disappointment. When you're able to fix your eyes upon Christ, the author, finisher of our faith, then that's a better spot to be looking because the reality is people will disappoint. There were these unfaithful people who just kind of abandoned Paul along the way. But the good news is there was also at least one person that it was named here, May the Lord show mercy on the household of Onesiphorus because he often refreshed me, was not ashamed of my chains. When he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You will have people who will disappoint you. You will have people that will encourage you. And I suppose it's always a choice that you and I will take. Someone said, you walk, through, you walk through life with two buckets. One bucket, you have water. One bucket, you have gasoline. And you walk into a situation and you have a choice to make. Which bucket are you going to throw? You're going to throw the gasoline, inflamed situation, and make a, a volatile thing even worse? Are we going to use water, except on electrical issues, water to kind of quell the issues and produce peace in the situation. 
remember who you are. That goes back to, I know whom I have believed and whose you are, and allow God to work in you. This, uh, as one writer says, provides for us a godly example. Don't be among those who disappoint, but rather who affirm and encourage, and God have mercy on that camp by pouring out his great grace. It's hard to maintain spiritual passion in the Christian life. We can can start, I was listening, we got into the second in the series on the way up, we was talking about the issue of discouragement. And he was talking from Nehemiah chapter 4 about about Nehemiah building the wall. And people, as they continued on the wall building, got really discouraged because the progress wasn't really going along all that quickly. And and they, they, they were looking at the reality of things and thought, man, this is not going good. And then God brought some people in to be of encouragement. And there were some things that they did to overcome the discouragement. It's hard to maintain passion in life the longer you go on. It's hard to maintain passion as a people, as a congregation in this interim thing that we're in right now, is this interim pastor thing. You know, uh, have we forgotten to keep on praying for the pastor of God's choosing for this place? I know it's a tough spot. It's hard to find someone who's going to fit the bill in terms of being bivocational and and a a lot of other pieces that are going to have to fit in order for this thing to work. But I want to let me tell you, you're a you're a good group of people. You're a you're a wonderful group of people. You have good spirit among you, and I'm not here just blowing smoke. I I'm I want to encourage you. There's a sweet spirit that's a part of this place that I believe God's just kind of using to just kind of make sure we're going to keep the main thing the main thing and keep us focused. So, but it's hard. We we develop. Slow leaks, I guess that might be better than a blowout, but uh, slow leaks anyways, that distract or dishearten us along the way. We look around and sometimes we see more losses than we see wins, and we get discouraged in the process. Paul gives us the counsel to pay attention to those basic reminders. Remember your roots, rekindle your flame, refuse to be ashamed, retain the pattern, remember who you are, and whose you are. In any one of those five that we just used as a template over the first chapter, uh, you may need something from all of them. But I would encourage you at least pick one. Pick one. Maybe for you it's your roots. Maybe you need to start some roots. Start a new trend in your family. Maybe there needs to be a rekindling in your heart. Maybe maybe there is a sense of ashamedness where where, you, where, where do you go to church? Or I go to the you know, uh, just you don't want to be known too much about that. Or so maybe I need to maybe in that. But whatever the area of need, take it to heart today, and ask the Spirit of God to take your life. And renew your passion for him and his work. May he do that today. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he has made known. But I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able 
to keep what I have committed to him against that day. May God find us moving in passion toward him. Join me as we pause for prayer. Father in heaven, thank you that you who have begun a good work in us will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Thank you that our confidence is in you. It's important for us to know what we believe and why we believe it, but it's far more important. It's life-changing when we understand who we believe. And we believe in God the Father and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. So accept this congregation, these people, as they have come into this place today and remind them of the thing that they most need to pay attention to, to give attention to in their journey. Help them, meet them, encourage them. And make of them... Uh, a people who are holy unto God. W-H-O-L-L-Y unto God as well as H-O-L-Y unto God. And meet them on the journey for the greater glory of your name. In the strong name of Jesus the Christ we pray. Amen and amen. Well, next week we move to chapter 2. And I can't guarantee we get through everything. I know that one, I think I'm breaking it into half anyways. But I pray that God will encourage you. Right. I encourage you to just kind of dig into this 2 Timothy word and uh, let it be of help and encouragement to you.